Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Allow yourself to do that thing that doesn't necessarily always make logical sense, but be a little naive about what you think you can build and what you can think you can do. And don't let anyone tell you, no, you can't do this. <laughs> I think it's P.P. Longstocking that has said something like, I've never done that before, so I'm sure I'll be good at it. Have that <laughs> approach to things. Be a little naive. Yes. A little child. I think it's something that everyone forgets to do. Fantastic. I think you're the first guest that's quoted Pippi Longstocking <laughs> on my show. That was a favorite of our kids. Oh, yeah. Really. I loved it when I was a kid. And, and Astrid Lindgren is, is amazing. She had another one that says something like, if you're very, very powerful, or if you're very, very strong, then you must also be very, very kind. That's a good hmm. one to remember as well. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Los Angeles in California, Peter Schroeder, who's the founder and CEO of Telsio. And you can see the logo there over his left shoulder. Telsio is all about making communications hassle-free for business. So welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Peter. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Privilege to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm really excited because you've got a really interesting background. You're a, a DJ with multiple platinum and gold records. And um, that was sort of out of Denmark to start with. And and you're also a coder. And now you've transitioned into business owner and entrepreneur. So I'm fascinated to learn all about that journey and, and what the lessons were for you along the way. Uh, before we get into all those things, what's the impact you're aiming to make in the world today, Peter? So I really just want to make people a little happier and their lives a little easier. Not trying to save the world or anything like that, but um, it's almost like having a dinner party at home. I, I enjoy that because that's very tangible thing you make uh, your friends uh, you know if you give them a good experience for a while and and make their lives a little easier for for that moment uh, I, I just enjoy doing that and that transcends to anything I've done really yeah yeah and tell us a little bit about the journey so you were a, if I remember correctly you're a DJ in Denmark and then you wanted to take that DJ business to the US, but you made the transition there into a technology business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that just happened uh, uh, out of, yeah, the 
the blue almost. So yeah, I was um, I, I was starting to play uh, in Vegas a lot in back in 2011, 12 ish when EDM just became a term. Uh, and electronic music started happening in the US. It wasn't a thing up until then, really, um, at least not as big as in Europe. Uh, and me coming over and, and having played electronic music my whole life, literally since I was <laughs> almost able to walk, um, you know, that was very, very natural to me. And, and I, I knew how to, to, to do that in a you know, sensible way where, where, you know, read the crowds and all that, those kind of things. I had a lot of experience doing that. So I got some, some really cool gigs really fast in the US. And on one of them, I met my now wife and uh, she was uh, uh, not happy about the Danish weather. So <laughs> I decided to start instead. <laughs> and during that time, that's when I founded the company. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us a little bit about the background of Telsio and how it innovates traditional phone systems and helps make communication hassle-free for businesses. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it really started uh, because I needed it myself. Uh, I was uh, I, I, I put a pause on 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 playing DJ gigs back in 2012. I played 383 gigs in one year, so I needed a break. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was a wild time, and I needed a break. Um, so I told my manager to, to put a pause on the on the gigs so I could also make new music and stuff. And while I was doing that, I was working on another side project, uh, also a tech project. And I needed a phone call, you know, a phone system, you know, where you can call in menu, press one for support and have a queue for, for people to wait in and those kind of things. And it wasn't really anything out of the box back then that was, you know, cloud-based. So I didn't have to install anything and also uh, affordable and easy to use and just filled all the, 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 you know, checked all the boxes. So I was like, okay, I, I will build it myself. Uh, why not? And that just fascinated me so much. I was into it. And all of a sudden, I had built a whole product rather than making new music. And I had just met my wife then. So she was like, well, come over to the US and let's launch it. Let's try and put it out there. And we did. And people started signing up. So all of a sudden, I forgot about music. And now it's been 10 years and I've been doing this. <laughs> so so the thing about tells you is really that it, it just fills my own uh, needs or requirements at that time. Yeah. And then when we started getting customers uh, that signed up, they had, you know, different uh, ideas or, or requirements for um, for features and stuff like that. So over the years, we just added it when it made sense. And, you know, the things that people asked for, we if it made sense to add to the product, we did it. And every time we did that, then we would get uh, bigger customers coming in, like Facebook all of a sudden signed up or Airbnb and Lyft. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things I just love about that. First of all, uh, starting off scratching your own itch so to speak um fulfilling a need that you had and then doing it in such a way that it became a, a product which you can sell I, i'm curious did you in, did you sort of have that vision at the start um that it might become a product or was it just no i have i need something and i'll build it i, th I think i got it pretty early on um after playing around with it for i would almost say a couple of weeks or a week maybe even um and, and I started, you know, building this thing for myself, I, I kind of saw already that here, here's something. And and I made, you know, I, I don't remember exactly when, but I did the math at some point uh, where I said, okay, if I, if I buy connectivity for this much from a carrier and I, uh, you know, do this and this and I charge so much, well, I can actually make money off of this. There's actually a business to be had here. So I, I, I did that pretty early on, um, but it didn't really manifest into something real uh, that we could launch until, I would say, three, four months later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's uh, interesting that, yeah, I mean, often people 
do that and realize that hey somebody else must have this problem as well and and go through that exercise of doing the maths and okay we yeah might be able to make this work the other thing i really love is that you then um took on board suggestions from customers to improve the product which led to those big contracts you shared with us yeah that's that's um that's always been a, a really important thing for me um we we didn't take in funding so i had to do tech support uh for the first i would almost say 3 years 2 years at least um and and customer service and stuff like that so i was on the phone every single day and i am so grateful that i had to do that it wasn't necessarily fun at the time but it's really important i think it's something that all ceos should do once in a while uh, maybe once a year just one day because you learn so much about the pain points the things that your customers are actually asking and you you discover these feature requests or these different things about them that they don't even know so this these are the things that you know start my brain and 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 you know make me invent new things that haven't been invented yet but just by listening to the customers and asking you know hearing what it is that they say that they uh, they struggle with mm yeah i love how you said every every business owner should sit on their help desk and listen to their customer and i've had to laugh because i've just had an experience with stripe um, yeah. so i'll name them here and name them and shame them um i it turns out um that so i invite all my podcast guests to my community as you know and i give them a coupon code to join for free to bypass the payment and it's it's a complimentary code as a thank you for them being on the show and recently a guest came back to me and said well i signed i i went to sign up for the community and i applied the discount code and it was successful but then it asked me for my credit card oh and so so i stopped at that point and my response was well hang on that shouldn't happen it has never happened before so first thing i did of course was sign up with a test email to see what was happening uh, because i know that it wasn't happening before yeah. sure enough it applied the discount but for a zero charge it was going to require yeah. me to put in my credit card information and so i went to stripe and i went on there um help system and got to chat with somebody who said oh yes we made that change back in august oh great <laughs> I, i guess why tell, tell yeah thanks for telling customers and then they said but it's only for subscription products if you change it to a once off payment then that won't happen so okay so i went in the system uh, rearranged stuff changed it to once off payment tested it again and sure enough it asked for the credit card information oh. again Oh. So we went back to Stripe and gave them some feedback and said this is just totally unacceptable. Why are you collecting credit card information when there's no payment? And and I thought, you know, to me that is such a no-brainer yeah. and it's a perfect example of probably somebody not listening to customers. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, it's it's interesting because I am actually a huge fan of Stripe normally. It's 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 um it's sad to hear this because they are one of my big idols when it comes to businesses in terms of how do you uh, build a good product and uh, how do you um, uh, price things in a in a reasonable way because one of the things i really struggle with at the moment is is these 
most SaaS products products out there, they they have these uh, uh, enterprise plans, and you know, a startup plan, a, a pro plan, and an enterprise plan, and all the features you really need are on the enterprise plan, or at least the features that are going to set you apart. But why is it that yeah. the enterprises that are already making a lot of money, that have already made it, why are they the ones that get to get those features? It should be the startups that get the features to help them <laughs> off, right? Or at least give it yeah. to everyone. So. I really like it. we so you know from day one with tells you we uh, priced our thing so you only charge for the usage and then you get all the features. There's no like different plan tiers or anything like that. And Stripe does the same thing. Uh, they have this thing where you well you sign up and you get everything. You like you said uh, you you have a, a coupon coupon code feature and a subscription feature, right? That would cost you know that would be two different features that you would have to pay extra for with other providers. Yes. Um, and I really don't like that. It's it's a weird thing because if you think about it uh our our way of doing it where you're just charged for the minutes and the texts that you 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 send and receive and with stripe where you pay per transaction so every, every charge they take a little cut off or, or a few cents um you know if you give the all the features from day one and 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 don't charge for that well then people are going to use those features that means that you're going to get more usage and you're going to get your money this way but you level out the playing field a little bit more you know and make it fair for everyone um, so I think the whole enterprise plan, I don't like that. <laughs> and, and that's why I like Stripe. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're very much like us in, in, in many ways. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I, I have come across quite a lot of software there where I think, okay, the stuff I need is in the enterprise plan, but <laughs> yeah. I can't it's afford the enterprise fees. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So, were there any lessons that you brought into starting up Telzio and how you run it now that that you took out of your DJ days? Um, a lot, I would say. I actually had a conversation with a with a good friend recently where we talked about how it is and or why it is that a lot of our old colleagues from the music industry are in really big positions uh, across the world. Really, uh, it seems like. The ones that are, have had a really good career in music, or at least in, as DJs, especially at DJs, um, they they have done really well for them, themselves afterwards. And I think the reason is probably because you are a one man band when you are a DJ. You uh, have to do you know everything from, uh, of course, DJing, but also your own promotion, your own uh, bookkeeping, your own everything. Uh, uh, so, so you're you're a business, and if you learn how to do that, and if you can do that, then you can make it pretty far. But without that, it's going to be really, really difficult to make it in that industry. So, I think that's that's probably one of the reasons why we see a lot of those guys out there. And I've learned a lot, you know, just general business from being a DJ. Um, but besides that, I, you know, I had a record label uh, for a few years. Um, in the mid 2000s the worst time ever to do it when right after napster and right before spotify so right when there's no music sold at all the lowest period of of the music industry ever great time to start a record label but i did and um at that same time i had a band and i was uh, touring and i just said yes to everything and i have raging add so everything that you know it sounds interesting i want to be part of and if someone asks me if i can help with something i just want to please them so i say yes uh, and I started burning bridges because I couldn't do everything. Turns out, I uh, don't have 28 hours a day. So uh, instead of saying no, and I think that's an absolute valid thing to do, and there's no shame in saying no to something. I didn't know that back then. So instead of saying no, I said yes to everything, and that's the only thing that's actually worse than saying no is 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 
saying yes and not following through. So I learned, you know, after basically crashing and burning and burning a lot of bridges and, and friendships um, that I need to learn how to say no. And, and uh, you know, there's no shame in that. That's probably one of the most important lessons about myself and uh, in general that uh, that I, I learned before and that, that I took over in the, into this, you know, keep focus. Don't try and do everything. Uh, don't try to be part of everything, but be really good at something. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really powerful message. And if you, if you can kind of get that and internalize it, and I've just been through an exercise where I've um, started um, taking a more active role in my own investments, mm -hmm. and um, that lessons come home to roost. I sort of all of a sudden I'm focused on just a few things, and focused on just a few ways to do it, and all of a sudden it's starting to be successful. Whereas before it was scattergun approach all over the place and um, up and down like a yo-yo. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's the the worst part about you know the the diagnosis ADD that that's uh, you, that you can take that and just amplify it by by a hundred. Uh, it's it's something that you know I didn't even know I had back then. It's, it's I haven't been diagnosed until I don't, I don't know five years ago or something like that. Um, but it's nice to know that there's an there's an actual word for why it is that I act that way. Um, but you know, that's, that's, uh, I think it's something that transcends to everyone. It's, it's not just people with that diagnosis. Everyone needs to learn how to say no and, and, uh, and keep focus and just focus on one, one thing and, uh, don't try to do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how do you manage that when, when you get pulled in all different directions and you, oh, shiny toy, oh, shiny toy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that, that is of course still difficult. Uh, but I think the fact that I, went through a period of my life where I ended up, you know, having to sell my label uh, because of it and, 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 uh, and take a break. I literally took uh, two months where I just uh, crashed on my mom's uh, couch, uh, you know, as, as at age, I think, 24 or something like that, where it's not the f most fun thing in the world to move back to your mom. Um, and, and, but, but, but took that period and, 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 you know, took a time out and went through all that. And I think that's uh, definitely taught me how to, remind myself because I still get pulled away and I still get carried away with everything, but remind myself, stay focused, say, you know, keep your eyes on the prize and the focus on the ball. Right. And, um, it's, it's, it's something I have to physically or verbally remind myself of. And I actually say it out loud when I, when I see myself, you know, getting too much on my plate. Hmm. So awareness and, and then being alert to when, your attention's being drawn somewhere else. Um, well, so so on a daily basis, I, I like that that happens all the time. So what what I really do is is uh, uh, I have a team around me that also now knows me so well uh, that they know when when this happens. You know that they they see it happening uh, and they see, hey Peter, you have too much on your plate. Like, how can we help you? Because I'm really bad at asking for help as well. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, uh, and it's not really for me because I don't want help. Uh, I'm not protective in that way about what I want to do, but I just want to get things done as soon as possible and as good as possible. And, you know, if I can do it myself, then why bother someone else? Uh, it's not a good thing. And I luckily have a team that is, is good at spotting that now uh, after working with me for, for years. Hmm. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about team. So um, 
Telsio, obviously at the start it was you and your wife and then mm-hmm. you've built a team from there. How did you go about building that team and how did you go about um, building the culture into that team that, that you wanted to have in the company? Um, so the funny thing is I'm a terrible manager and I don't like managing people. I don't like people uh, tell, telling people what, what to do and definitely not following up. So I very, very purposely uh, built a very small team. We are probably 10% of, of the headcount of our competitors with the same amount of customers. Um, so what I've done is, is I've, I've, over the years, been able to find some people that are really, really talented and, and very uh, independently working and, and, and get those on board. And so I don't have to manage that much. Um, for me, it's more about leading. Uh, and I think there's a very important difference between leading and managing. Uh, you know, leading for me is... is, is uh, setting a vision and being so excited about that vision that it rubs off on, on the re- entire team and get them so excited about this thing that we're building and, and creating that they put everything they have into it. So like, uh, if, if you really want to harness the, the power of your, your employees' skills, then you need to get them excited about it and you need to get them free power to do things that they think is right. Um, even if you know uh, and you probably don't, but if you do know that it's going to go wrong, whatever they, they're, they're trying to do, let them do it anyways. Let them fail because giving them the power to do that is, is you know, really, really, really important for their motivation to give you all their uh, expertise, essentially, uh, in the future. So that's been really important to, for me to, over the years to find those kind of people and, and also find people that complement me and, and get things done that I don't do because, again, back to the ADD thing is is... I can get really, really good at certain things and I can go all the way to the bottom of the rabbit hole and start digging for more if I'm interested in it. But if I'm not, then it just doesn't get done. There is no, uh, it doesn't even matter how easy it is. So finding people that, you know, complement that is really important. And then, you know, the culture, I think, is, is, is incredibly important. And we had a good culture before COVID, uh, in-person culture, uh, where we had happy hours and, and, and karaoke and stuff at, at the office. And then during COVID, you know, everyone had to work from home and we had to learn how to do that remotely. And that took uh, at least a couple of years. We are there now, but it was difficult in the beginning. Uh, like, how, how do you do that? Um, what I really found out at the end was if you can find people who are comfortable enough to post uh, memes that are a little bit un- inappropriate uh, on your Slack <laughs> channel or, or Teams or whatever you use, then that kind of... Uh, uh, you know, lightens the mood a little bit and, and and builds that culture because people can laugh at the same thing and it's a little inappropriate. Inappropriate, so you know they they will uh, have something on each other kind of uh, laugh. You know, and uh, yeah. and that builds the culture uh, in in a, in a weird weird way. Uh, and we've really seen that happening because now uh, after COVID, we actually kept working from home and or most of us, and we are down to I think we're only four people at our headquarters now. Uh, where we were a whole whole floor in the, in the building in an office building before, and everyone's working from remote, and we uh, from, from from home, and we're uh, team members all over the world now. Um, so we ha- we we managed to do it, but it wasn't easy. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's fascinating, isn't it? The COVID kind of opened the eyes of a lot of people to who perhaps hadn't been working remotely or hadn't had these sort of remote conversations online mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden people were forced to do it otherwise their business would go under and and they realize oh we can actually do more 
this way in terms of maybe smaller offices, less cost, less overheads for office space, and maybe, as you pointed out, um, a global team, whereas in the past they're all in the headquarters or maybe I had, if I wanted um, a presence in another country, I had to open up an office there and with all the bureaucracy that that involved. Yeah, I mean, we 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 opened an an office in Copenhagen. Uh, actually, have a, a subdivision in Copenhagen or in Denmark, and we still do, but uh, mostly just to pay out salaries now uh, in, in in that country. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, it's really not being used much, and and uh, it 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 works well. I would say one thing that I regret doing uh, with with all this um, is we had a person on our team that one of our first employees and. Uh, Started out as a salesperson, uh, but and she was she was really good at, at that time. Uh, but as we grew, she kind of uh, I think the company grew from her in terms of of of, of that role. And I did the wrong yeah. thing of firing her uh, right after COVID because uh, she wasn't doing uh, good as a salesperson. She was not a, a, the born salesperson. The thing was that she was the culture of the company. I didn't realize that, and how I didn't realize how important that was. So when I fired her, I really just fired the entire company's culture. It, it was gone. There was nothing. No one talked about anything else than work, uh, and and uh, there was no com- camaraderie or anything like that. It was gone. Um, and after seeing that for a year, I actually had to be down on my knees and and you know beg her to come back. And now she's running the operations of the company and 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 really doing an amazing job at that. Uh, on top of that, she's running the whole culture. Uh, she said she. We, you know, yeah. promise her a bigger, bigger pay and 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 you know, uh, freedom to to go do everything culture uh, related in the business, and she's doing a badass job on the, on that. So uh, that was a huge mistake of me. I, I don't know uh, why what I was thinking. You know, I, I didn't see that uh, how how big effects she yeah. had on, on that, but it was very very clear when she was gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love that you pushed your ego aside and said, okay. Well, uh, Best solution here is to bring this person back and and put her in a role that is actually suited to her talents. Yeah, and the interesting interesting point was that uh, she had become a good friend over the years because she was one of the first employees, and I was physically sick for a week after I had fired her. It mm. was it was really affecting me because I, I didn't feel good about it. There was something wrong, and, and you know one of the things was probably I had an, a, a gut feeling that this was a bad move. But the other thing was also I, I really didn't want to see her, you know, I, uh, leave in that way. She was a really good close f- uh, friend of, of all of us. Um, so being able to actually have her come back was 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 a huge win, and, and that she actually accepted the offer. That was uh, you know wild that she she was uh, she was doing she, she did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess um, there's an art to firing people so that you don't burn the bridges, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, but but like you, I've had to fire people as well for various reasons. It wasn't my business; it was the corporate world, and and it always made me feel sick afterwards, uh, even even when they weren't friends, personal friends. It's just right, right. Pleasant it's, thing. it's never fun. It's never fun, right? Mm. And, and and there are also cases where it's 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 obviously it's always. Uh, uh, there's always a reason why you fire someone. Um, we haven't had to lay people off because of, of, of bad times or anything like that. So there's always been a reason uh, mm. why we had to fire someone. And, and in, in some cases, you know, you're furious yourself because of certain things. Uh, 
but it still doesn't feel good. Uh, it doesn't matter how, how angry you are at a person. Uh, it's just hmm. a bad feeling. And I don't think that's something you will really ever really get over. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that that was certainly one big challenge that you faced along the journey oh, yeah. with Telsia. What, what are some of the other challenges and how did you master those or how did you overcome them? Um, well, so if we were to go back to when we started out, we didn't have any money. Um, we cashed in my wife's 401k <laughs> to uh, <laughs> and go up against AT&T. That seems like a logical thing to do, right? Um, <laughs> uh, we tried to get investments. And, and here, here's the thing. We only hear about uh, tech companies that raise $200 million and you know, go public or get a billion dollar valuation on an idea that they haven't even created yet. That's all the things we hear in the media. That's the stories we hear about. You don't hear about the ones that don't raise the money and still make it. Um, and, and, and we definitely thought we had to go out and raise a ton of money at a crazy valuation and, uh, you know, completely blindsided by, by all, all the stuff we hear. Um, we couldn't raise any money. One, one thing is the people who do raise that kind of money on that in Silicon Valley, they are not entrepreneurs that built a product. They are money racers. That's what they do for a living. Yeah. It's not, uh, yeah. they don't build businesses this way. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing was, you know, who's going to invest in a phone company that's going up against AT&T and Verizon and these kind of companies. It just doesn't seem logical and it's a high barrier to entry and, and, and so on and so on. There's, there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do it. And it's not a sexy industry either. And then we had just met my wife and I um, like a year earlier, right? Who's going to invest in a couple who just met, who's not even married yet at that time. So we didn't raise any money and we had to figure out how do we then build a business without, because we are, we have a good product over here. The problem is we couldn't advertise because that costs seven, $800 per click on Google uh, in, in for the keywords that we have in our industry. Uh, hmm. The math adds up because customers stay for a long time and they pay a lot per month, but we didn't have that upfront money, a capital to, to, to go out and, 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 and buy the, those ads and buy those customers. So we had to figure out what do we do then? Um, and for us, the answer was really, we need to get really good at SEO so we can get those positions on Google when people search for it for free. Because we can't just cold, cold call. Uh, our product is not something you cold call anyone about. You, it's like calling someone and asking, hey, do you want to buy a house? No, I'm not in the market right now, right? <laughs> Same thing with the phone system. It's not really something that people want to change unless they have to. Um, so we had to just be in front of people when they are looking to change. And that means that we need to be available on Google when people search for it. And we had to get those positions on Google for free because we couldn't pay for them. So we had to really get good at SEO. And that's taken 10 years. Luckily, it's a snowball effect. So the better you get at it and, and the, the better positions you get, the easier it becomes to get more of it and, and, and spread it out and, and, and get really good at it. But um, it was definitely a struggle for, for the first many years. And, and, you know, like I said, I did customer service for the first two or three years because we couldn't even hire a supporter. Hmm. So the, the business growth really started with, with your figuring out how to do search engine optimization well. Yeah, really. Um, so, so, so the first the first couple of customers we got from just posting online on on some message boards about, hey, do you, we built this product? Go check it out. And then in the beginning, we had a plan where we uh, only charged a dollar per month for the whole service, and then you, you know we uh, charged you per minute. We found out later on that 
that attracted too many unserious businesses and too much fraud. Uh, so at some point, we, we, we realized we have to put a minimum cap on it, and that ended up being $50 a month for the whole service. And then you pay for the service, uh, uh, the, 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 the minutes and stuff. But that's part of, of uh, the $50. You just have to pay at least $50 a month, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that worked out really well. But yeah, it started out with that. And then we just uh, started figuring out how do we optimize our websites so that we get those search positions. And turns out you can't really trick uh, Google into doing anything. <laughs> just uh, uh, do, you know, make a good website that's uh, relevant for whoever's searching for it. And that's the answer. Mm. That's the, as, as, as yeah. weird as it sounds or as simple as it sounds, you just have to create content that's relevant because that's what Google wants. Yeah. Google wants to, you know, give their, their, their users, the search, the people that search, relevant answers for their search queries. That's all they live off of doing. You know, the more relevant the answers Google gives the searcher, the better, because then people will be using hmm. Google. Come so, back and, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, and a lot of people don't get that. And it's funny because the, our last, very last episode was with Philip Steinman, SEO consultant, and we were having that this very conversation. So it's sort of very, timely that the very next episode uh, is a practical example of how that actually played out yeah yeah very much very much and and you know it's it's actually fun because google writes about all this on their blogs they tell you uh, that. yeah <laughs> it's not exactly there's no yeah. secret <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, it's, uh, it's funny all right um before we move on to the buzz round um one final question i'm curious about i mean there's a lot of stuff happening in the technology space right now. How do you see emerging trends in your industry or overall uh, impacting on Telsio and, and what are you doing to meet those? Well, I mean, obviously AI is changing everything. Um, it's going to be a bigger change than the internet. But I think besides that, um, we're seeing this this new trend right now that's kind of started with uh, food delivery maybe two decades ago, where people started wanting to have their best restaurants food delivered at home whenever they want, wherever they want, right? You have this consumer mm-hmm. uh, pattern that's a, a trend that's, that's, that you're seeing. And then during COVID, that changed to or migrated and, and spread to uh, groceries where you now want your groceries delivered anytime uh, you want it and, and from the grocery store you want. And now we're seeing this thing with communications that customers expect to communicate with their vendors or their businesses that they buy from in the way that they want. So having a phone number or an email address on your website and saying, you can call us in these hours, that's not gonna, gonna do anymore. It's, it's not uh, hmm. uh, you know, a viable thing. So you have to be present wherever your customers are and wherever they want to, to text you. And be, that being on, on uh, you know, Instagram direct message or tw- Twitter or a WhatsApp call or whatever it is, you need to be there and you need to answer uh, and you need to be everywhere. Because if you don't, then the customer will just go somewhere else to someone who does that and someone else will be doing that. Um, and I have a good example actually for, for myself because I was buying a car a year and a half ago um, and I went to a dealership, test drove it, left the car, uh, said, hey, I'm going to think about it tonight uh, and come back tomorrow. I think it was a, the, the, the one I wanted. Then I got home and I emailed the um, uh, the dealer, uh, asked him a question about what would the price be if I get the model with the bigger engine or something like that. 
and I didn't mm-hmm. hear anything back. I had his business card, you know, so so I just emailed him and didn't hear anything. So the next day, I just went down to another brand, uh, basically got the same car. Uh, you know, some brands have the same exact car. They had the yeah, one yeah. they wanted, and I bought the same car uh, from a different brand, different dealer. And two, three weeks later, I got an email back from him. Oh, yeah, so uh, I missed your mail. Uh, do you still need that information? No, I already bought a car, and you missed out on a sale. And I had yeah. his business card, you know, like I had his phone number. I could, I could just have called him and asked that question, and he would have mm-hmm. sold the car. But I didn't feel like calling him in that day. I felt like emailing him because I was mm-hmm. holding my my kid, and and there was a lot of noise around, right? So uh, that was just how I felt, you know, communicating at that time. And because he wasn't present where I wanted him to be present, he missed out on the sale. Hmm. Yeah, that's a a great example, and um, I see that happen so much. Um, where and I think the classic. One for me also is going back to what we were talking about earlier, the, the help desk situation of a lot of people and, and our web hosting company is bad for that. I've actually bookmarked. There's there's a link to get onto their support system where you can lodge a support ticket, which, you know, if the website's down, I need, need that addressed immediately. Oh. And um, <laughs> I, for a while there, I was, went onto the site, I went into my account and I spent half an hour searching how do i get in touch with these people there's no phone number there there's no email to write there's no place to no ticketing system where you can lodge a ticket um there is one i managed to find it one time and then after the second time when i couldn't remember the 50 steps i went through to find that spot i actually saved the bookmark i thought that's not going to happen again but i thought hang on shouldn't you be making it easy to get in touch with the business (laughs) It's, it's definitely a very, very effective tactic if you don't want customers to stay. That's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, this is fascinating. We could go on talking business lessons and customer service and and those kind of things all day. But I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is you'll give us some answers to inspire our listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, take a shower. Uh, you know, turn turn off all your devices <laughs> and take a shower. Don't get disrupted. And just stay in there for half an hour and let it. Yeah. You know, that, the, the the answers will come. Yeah. Yeah. Get your best ideas in the shower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, I love it. Yeah. So it's it's really about finding quiet, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And 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 it's it's about you know not not being uh, disrupted about all these notifications we get. I actually turned off all notifications on my phone, all of them, except yeah. for my wife's uh, phone calls <laughs> and, and I think server alerts or something like that. But it's everything else is turned off, uh, Facebook, uh, emails, all of that. Um, oh, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's something that is almost a luxury today, uh, but it's incredibly important if you want to be in- innovative. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Turning off the notifications is, that's such a no-brainer for me. I remember the (laughs) very early days of when when our salespeople in the corporate job I had, our salespeople got the very first Blackberries. Oh. And um, before that, we had these big mobile phones and all they could do was take phone calls, which is kind of unique. Um, But the, the Blackberries could get emails and calendar alerts and so on and I remember them saying oh I ever since I got my Blackberry I can't get any work done 
Uh, why is that? Because it keeps alerting me when when an email comes in and it keeps alerting me when this happens and so on. And I said, surely you can turn the alerts off. And so I, I didn't have a BlackBerry. I didn't know, but I, I knew from computer. And I said, turn the alerts off. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it's it's it seems like a like a like a very easy thing to do, but it's very very difficult yeah. to turn everything off. And and I actually struggled with it the first couple of days after I did it because it, <laughs> it felt almost naked. <laughs> you know, like I felt like I was missing out on all these different things. But that's what yeah, I yeah. did. Uh, well, I occasionally when I install a new app, I don't think about it, and and all of a sudden the phone gives me some alert, and I get really annoyed. I say, yeah. oh, what's that alert? Right. It's not it's not a phone call. <laughs> right, exactly. It's super annoying once yeah. you get used to it, yeah. <laughs> all right, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, it's, it's actually the same. Uh, so when I started Telgeo, um, I applied for a visa to come to the US, and I I was thinking at that time that I was going to keep making music, so I applied for an artist visa, uh, an O2, O1, O1, I think it's called, um, and I was waiting for that to be, you know, come 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 through, and and that took three months. Turned out, I had uh, already put all my stuff in storage and moved uh, in with my dad for, uh, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be tomorrow or or in a week, so it turns out that that was three months, and that turns out to be a blessing because I was coding on Telcio at that time. And hmm. having ADD, you know, you can you can multiply that that thing about the distractions by by 100. So uh, this was during the winter in Denmark and there's it's hard. It's a hard winter. There's nothing going on and he lives in the middle of nowhere. So I was completely uninterrupted for three months straight and I built the whole platform or the, the proof of concept. So again, it's it's I st actually still do it. I, I, I bought a vacation house in Denmark uh, recently and I, I go there to find that piece and, and and off the grid to really get things done and get get the cool stuff made uh, and, and find the, the the piece to do it. So it's really about isolating yourself and letting you, yourself isolate you. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Ta yeah, taking time. It's kind of like the Disney dream room concept, isn't it? <laughs> it is, totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, wonderful. All right, well, apart from Telzio, what's a favorite resource you use most often? Uh, Slack. <laughs> it's uh, that, that's probably one of the tools I I live on on, on Slack. Uh, our whole team does. It's um, it's great, great, great tool. And Stripe, uh, I, I love that that company. So, and I actually use them for more than just payment processing. It's 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 a big inspiration for me. Okay, wonderful. All right. Well, we sort of said something bad about Stripe before, but now we're yeah. No, I mean, I, I, yeah. It, no, no one's perfect, right? But but I, I really yeah. like their their culture and and the way they think about building a product and how they design their website, uh, how intuitive a lot of things are. There's they're, they're really good at thinking things through, and I think that's something that mm. a lot of people can 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 learn from. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. All right, and obviously we. We'll include links to that um, for those people that may not know Slack or Stripe. Mm -hmm. So what's the best way to keep a, a project on track? We've talked about focus. Ooh, yeah, that's difficult. Uh, I, I'm horrible at that. Uh, I tried having a, a project manager at, at some point, and that was also not good. Right now, we have kind of resorted to uh, a, a, a solution where we have actually the, the person I was talking about earlier that became our, our operations manager. Basically, basically, just keep track of the different projects and where they are in a very, very, very high level way. 
and then check in with everyone every morning. So we have daily stand-up uh, meetings online every morning at eight and nine for different uh, departments. And she checks in and just uh, most of the time just observes and takes notes and then updates a little Trello board uh, for each team. Um, but we try not to get too detailed in these things. Again, we, we have some really, really talented people, so we don't want to want to micromanage anyone. Uh, we just want to make sure that everyone is progressing and that there's no roadblocks and that people basically talk uh, and, and you know voice out their concerns. And, and that's really it. Uh, we, we try not to get, get more detailed or granular than that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic, isn't it? The, the tools we have these days and also the uh, how key communication is, that's, that's another point that came out of that. But I remember back in the early days, um, of project management and I did lots of project management work and then the first few courses I did I thought I wish I'd learnt this at, at school because this is so valuable but then the only thing that was there as software was Microsoft Project and that was just <laughs> yeah. so complicated and and I thought you spend more time on figuring out how to do this and entering data in here and then tracking yeah. the data than, than actually working on the project. So things like Trello, you know, with the Kanban boards and that's just fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what, what I think is really interesting is, is that a lot of these tools do exactly what you're saying. It, it, they take up more time and there's so many of them out there. Um, I, I was part of, of the uh, Scrum revolution back in the 2000s. Uh, and, and, and that was now the thing, the, the way that everyone should work and, and and there's a new wave right now of descrumming. Uh, like basically everyone found out this that was the horrible, the really really bad way of doing something. You know, people burns out and and, and you're not getting anything done, uh, and you spend a lot of time on nothing. So um, I think what 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 a lot of what I see a lot of my colleagues in in different uh, industries doing is is really. Uh, keeping it really high level and just use one of the really lightweight tools to just check some overall notes and then let people do what they're good at. That's really it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, wonderful. All right, final question of the buzz round. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Um, that's that's always a good question. It depends on, on what, you're, uh, what, what you're doing. Uh, for me, personally, I think... I, I, I could have tried to differentiate myself from the big guys out there. Uh, that would be, uh, seems like a logical thing. I, I have a phone company, so I need to differentiate myself from AT&T or whatever the big uh, competitors are. But that's not always a feasible thing. It's not something that you necessarily can do because you are just maybe a more lightweight product uh, in the beginning. There's just, everyone has to start somewhere and it's more important to get something out than have the perfect product. So for me, it was really create a good product for a small amount of people and just be good for those ones and then grow it from there. Don't try to necessarily be everything at once and and, and be that perfect uh, solution to everything, uh, whatever that might be. But but find a little niche and, uh, uh, and cater to them and then grow your business from there. Uh, that's more sustainable in the long run, I would say. Mm -hmm. So being really clear about who, who you target, who your ideal customer is, and getting focused on them. Yeah, mm -hmm. and 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 don't try to to span that one too too wide. Uh, I mean, I could say if people ask me what what's your ideal customer, well, that's a business that make phone call, phone calls, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, my, <laughs> that's the target. Um, but but be a little bit more uh, clear in the beginning, at least. Hmm. 
Mm, excellent. Well, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today. Now, where can people find out more about you, about Telsio, and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today? Um, yeah, so me directly, petersroda.com. There's uh, all my social media links and, and of course, uh, my email address. And I actually like when people email me or, or write to me because I get so much sales stuff and, and so much business uh, communications. <laughs> There's never anything personal, you know, like I actually <laughs> really like when someone writes a, a message. So please do that. Um, and Telcio, uh, it's telcio.com. And, and uh, I think there's a link in the show notes. If uh, you go there, sign up for a trial and play around with it. It's actually fun. So there's a free trial. Go do that. <laughs> yep. We'll have that link in the show notes, as Peter said. All right. Finally, um, what action would you like our listener to take out of today's conversation? Apart from would, trying out Telsio. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I would actually say you should you should be a little naive. Uh, go allow yourself to do that thing that doesn't necessarily always make logical sense, but be a little naive about what you think you can build and what you can think you can do. And don't let anyone tell you, or at least not the whole world, tell you no, you can't do this. <laughs> uh, but but have that that approach to it. And you know, I think it's P.P. Longstocking that that's, has said something like, uh, I've never done that before, so I'm sure I'll be good at it. Uh, have that <laughs> approach to things. Uh, be a little naive. Yes. A little child, childish. Uh, and I think it's something that everyone forgets to do. Yeah, fantastic. And I think you're the first guest that's quoted Pippi Longstocking <laughs> on uh, on my show. It's uh, that was a favorite of our kids. So I'm quite oh, yeah. familiar with those books. I was I loved it when I was a kid and and and, and Astrid Lindgren is is amazing. She had another one that says something like uh what does she say? Uh if you have if you're very very powerful or if you're very very strong, then you must also be very very kind. And that's a good hmm. one to remember as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, it's great, great um, quotes to wrap up with. <laughs> well, thanks, Peter. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks so much for joining us on the Innova Buzz podcast. I really hope that um, you enjoyed the experience as well. I certainly did. And all the best for the future. And let's keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me on here. Was, I, I enjoyed that a lot. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flyworld and secure your membership to the exclusive Flyworld Nation community where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywell Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.